so-called tennis expert. I came from Dubai. Disrespectful and disgusting, I would say. Weren't you guys the tennis podcast? If, if, if doesn't exist. Losers find excuses and winners find a way. Welcome back. <laughs> oh, no. Welcome to Backhand and Great start. Back- oh, my God. <laughs> this is great. It's going to go real well. Welcome to Backhands and Compliments. I'm Miranda. And I'm Katie. And Katie, who are you going to backhand today? Today I'm going to backhand myself because the other day I spent way too much time staying up late watching Ramsbury lose. But did I stay up to watch my fa- other faves win? No. No, I didn't. So I'm backhanding myself for having a decent sleep schedule, basically, um, but not using it for the right times. <laughs> yeah, it's so annoying that you're like healthy and thriving and the rest of I us know. are just like suffering um, under your love, drinking espresso shots, <laughs> just like in that hallway. Um, oh, I, you didn't ask about uh, who I'm going to compliment. <laughs> oh my God, you do this to me every time. <laughs> Um, but the person that I am going to compliment, I already forgot what I said I was going to do. Oh, I'm going to compliment, um, Andre Rublev for dealing with the crowd Mm. at, uh, Rublev Demonar, where the crowd was so against him and they were so, like, obnoxious and it was so loud (laughs) while watching. Um, and he just buckled down and made it through, despite that being a very grueling match so good for him i'm 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 so proud of him after Mm -hmm. you know it is not i'm I'm saying this because it's you know monday evening and he's gonna play his match fairly soon his quarterfinal um against yannick and i just like i'm so proud of this run for andre like it has Mm -hmm. been a great run the people he's beat i mean cyborg shouldn't have been that hard but chris eubank sebi corda alex demonar hell of a run like damn a lot of north americans he hasn't played a single european until today i mean cyborg is brazilian so just regular americans and also and Australians. And Australians. He's, I was, he's slaying Team World. He, that's what I was gonna. That's what I was trying <laughs> I to say. I do one thing. That's what I was like. I was like, wait, it's just Team World. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Oh, no, if I swear to God, if they invite invite Zybach to Team World, I'm, I'm gonna riot. I'm boycotting. I am boycotting the fuck out of Labor Cup, and that'll make me so upset yeah. because y'all know how much I love Labor Cup. I love it. Um. Cool. So anyway. where did we want to start <laughs> with our notes? Here's the thing. It's tough to um, kind of put this notes together because Katie watched sort of fewer matches because she's healthy and like has a good sleep schedule, which we love yeah. for her. Guys, it's been a long time coming. Um, I hate that you, you know, are trialing this during Australia season, but we move. Um, and oh, then yeah. I was quite busy this weekend and wasn't able to watch anything on saturday night i listened to some stuff on the radio but like i missed i missed taylor fritz and stefano sitsabas you guys like <sighs> i was your girl was busy yeah so busy um, and for good reason like it's not like you were just you know scheduling things these are things well planned in advance you know so yeah forgiven yeah these are like major life events happening major family events that like you know you can't really miss anyway um the first bullet point in the notes doc which i think is it's just the first thing i wrote down i don't know if it (laughs) needed to stay here but i said r.i.p slam nori so close Mm. yet so far because he made it to a fifth set tie break against alexander zverev which i think was like zverev's second fifth set tie break of the tournament i should have a draw up and know for sure but it's not his first one he's gotten so lucky um in more ways than one and i just was texting katie and realized that the portmanteau of slay and cameron nori is slam nori and that's just what i'm gonna call him from now on when he's at his home slam and it's always his home it's his home slam so really you know really sad that they couldn't see someone from their home country win (laughs) it's so tough <laughs> so hard <laughs> yeah i don't even think that was the zverev's first fifth set tiebreak either because i think he went to fifth set tiebreak against klein in like the second or third round i do think that's what i said his it wasn't his first fifth set tiebreak but Did you? i thought you just said his first yeah set. i thought you just said his no first i set. i definitely meant his first fifth set tiebreak 
or that it wasn't his first fifth set tiebreak because okay. I was thinking of the Lucas Klein match that was in a tiebreak at the same time as the match that Casper was playing against Purcell went yeah. to a fifth set tiebreak. And I was score watching Zverev's, but like, because obviously I'm not setting eyes on one of his matches. Yeah. Um, but I was actually watching Casper's match. Yeah. So, etc. Watch that terrible look at that terrible mustache that Max Purcell has <laughs> the ugliest fucking mustache I've ever seen. I don't mind a mustache. Um, we move anyway. Um, <laughs> I was about to say, speaking of mustaches, no. Um, can you please do me a favor and recap Fritz Abbas for me, um, which is Taylor Fritz and Stefano Abbas because I did not have time to go back and rewatch it. I think I started, I've watched like the first couple of games the, the boys were hitting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, again, I was busy. Yeah. Um, so I watched this match. Um, I popped in about the second set. It was a little bit, you know, it was kind of what I expected to be um, honest from Steph and Taylor, which is just kind of some flop mentally happening on certain points. But interesting. Yeah. Then in set three. So I don't know anything about how it happened in the first set and most of the second set. But I saw Steph win the second set and the crowd was very pro-Greek. They were yelling, sitsy, bus, it's like, it was, it was raucous in there. I was like, wow. Classic. Which, you know, makes sense. There's a lot of uh, Greek immigration in Australia. So makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in set three, they traded breaks immediately. So I'm like, okay, great. A little bit more continuing, mef- you know, a little bit of floppery, but whatever. Mm-hmm. And then. A flop off. We love a flop off from two floptastic flops, you know. Um, <laughs> I just love when it's like equal opportunity floppage. Yeah, that's it's important. It, it's but it is sometimes annoying because I'm like, if my favorite could just stop flopping for five mm-hmm. minutes, the set would be over. Yeah, I mean, when I was watching, I and I feel like when you texted me about it, you were saying the boys were hitting. That was much later, and that doesn't sound like a flop off to me. Okay, that was much later, because okay. the turning point really was in the sixth game of the th- of the third set. I went back and I double checked <laughs> so I could tell okay. you it was accurately. Um, and it was 3-2 Taylor. He was on, they were on serve, so Steph was serving. And Steph started double faulting. He double faulted three times during that game, two of which Oof. were on his own advantage point. So that's tough. What's going on there, Steph? And then when Taylor finally got his first break point um, after Steph started double faulting, Steph, of course, is like naturally just going to spin his second serve in. And then Taylor hits this absolutely stunning, gorgeous down the line backhand winner to break. And he's like, you know, is pumping himself up and like, you know, roaring at the crowd and his box and stuff. And from there, it was like a switch flipped in Taylor Fritz's brain. He was just like, you know what? I'm going to fucking thrive. (laughs) Fuck yeah. Concrete. (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. It was so good. He started playing better. It was great. Steph, I think, played a little bit better. Still, you know, wasn't playing at his top level. But like Taylor Fritz really was like, he was like, I'm going to win this match. I'm going to win spectacularly. So that was great. I hope he's saying that today. I hope to God. (laughs) Please keep that flip switched. Please make a bet with Morgan. Anything. Nobody turn the light off. Please, for the love of God. I know. Oh, to date the podcast, they haven't even started playing yet. And Taylor Francis playing Novak Djokovic, if you didn't know. During day session, so famous last words, I have hope. I have hope too, but just because like I have to have hope or else like what am I living for? Yeah. The meme that I was thinking of was it's the Morgan um, like holding up the small jar motion. Mm-hmm. And the meme is like, this is the amount of hope that I have left that Novak Djokovic isn't going to win the Australian Open. <laughs> it's like so small, oh, but still there. Still, still counts. It still exists. Um, but she did say not to turn that into a meme. So I was like, fine, I won't. <sighs> but I really want to. I feel like that meme would be fine because I can see other uses of that meme that would be less kosher and friendly. I I think, here's the thing, I think we get the vibes. I think we're not yeah. going to make it weird. No. <laughs> no. But we can't trust I think people that on the internet. Our usage? No. Nobody. Especially not no, we the cannot. <laughs> cannot. Nobody. Oh, truly. Um, anyway, so the other thing I wanted to mention about Steph, for you Steph girlies who are like, this is a Steph podcast. Here you go. Here's your Steph segment. Um... <laughs> It was very interesting to me because in the fourth set, in Steph's first service game, Mark Philippoussis caught that Steph changed his service motion in between sets three and four. 
So. And I kind of love when Mark Filipousis is the one who's, like, commentating on Steph matches because obviously he just, like, knows him really well um, because he used to be his other coach. And, like, I don't really – it doesn't seem like there's bad blood there, but it is just fascinating to me. Like, it's the same thing when you get a bit of commentary from, like, Darren Cahill about mm-hmm. Yannick. Like, yeah. it's just always interesting. And, like, you know, Mark Filipousis, with all due respect, no Darren Cahill. Like, I'm always no. going to prefer, prefer it from Darren Cahill. Speaking Always. of, Don't where is he? He was commentating one of the women's matches. He was at Svitolina oh, and um, Noskova, uh, but then Svitolina okay. got hurt really bad. He was there That's with her. like Pam Shriver and Mary Jo Fernandez. Okay. He's also probably mostly commentating on like actual network TV and I'm always watching the yeah. world feed. So maybe that's my issue too. I'm getting a lot that of is... Robbie Koenig. Oh, so much. So much. <laughs> Which, honestly, I kind of prefer, obviously, I very much prefer, like, the world feed or whatever, especially on the doubles. Like, the doubles um, commentators are so good. Like, they are, they're not, you know, mean to the other players. They're not saying ridiculous things that don't make any sense. They're having a great time. You can tell that, like, these guys are friends, and they're having a blast just, like, chatting about the times. It's lovely. And I also think that, like, in order to get the job of doubles commentator, I do think you have to be, like, the guy who really knows his shit. Or the girl. Or the woman. You know? But, like, you know, John McEnroe, like, nobody's putting him in charge of commentating on the No. Oh, my God. Especially because, I obviously, Ramsbury lost, unfortunately. But they lost to Makak. I don't know how to pronounce his name. He's Czech. And Zhang. Machach? Machach. And Zhang. And this commentator told us the last couple challengers that Macac had won. Told us about Crazy. Zhang and his path and how they had been doing. Like, John McEnroe could never. Could never. Mm-hmm. Anyway, just wanted to shout that out. Back to Steph, since that was the whole point. If you didn't see it, um, basically, Steph's normal service motion, when like he rocks back, he keeps his back foot planted and then kind of drives with both his legs into it. Mahach, by the way. Mahach. Good to know. I'll try to remember that. I'll probably forget. I'm so sorry to that man. Tomas, if you Just, will. If it's a C, if it ends with a C, assume it's a ch sound. I should know this. You should, but I, I'm just dumb. Um, and then in between the first and in, and then during the fourth set, Steph started dragging his back foot up and like driving with like both his feet on the ground, which was very interesting. I don't know why this was happening or why he decided this. He did get more power on his serve and he did double fault less. So maybe that's Do why. you know what those serves are called? Step ups, step up serves. There's no, there's a, there's a name for the, the legs apart, and there's a name for the legs together. <laughs> I don't know. Platform this. and pinpoint. Oh, serves. I've heard those words. I've never thought of them. Something I learned this week. Congratulations. Lovely. Look at us. We're educational. <laughs> um. Uh, anyway, and once again, we don't have to get into it very much because we talk about this a lot. But once again, Steph's box just talks and talks and talks and talks and talks, never shuts the fuck up. Um, and you can just tell like Steph was like not happy about it. Nothing happened like with Rome, like nothing like that. But like you could just tell he like was not appreciating the things that were being said to him. And there were from the you know couple of games that I watch, there were so many chickens in that so man's many. box. Why are there so many people? I don't even know who half those people are. I can, I know who most of them are, unfortunately, but, like, <laughs> it's crazy how many there are. <laughs> no, I, actually, it probably is about half. And then, like, I'd yeah. use context clues where I'm like, mm, yeah. that woman is probably that man's wife, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. You figure it out. Yeah. And even the commentator who was, like, down on, like, court side was like, this, mm-hmm. like, talking is a little much. The tone to Steph is just not good. So, like, that was an interesting insight because, like, I could not hear what was being, like, said or, like, the tone of it because, you know, I'm they're not focusing on that um and then also i love again love that mark was doing a stuff match because he said something very illuminating i think about their relationship mm-hmm. and their like partnership or um coach partner coach player thing mm-hmm. um is that he was talking about how he told steph to do the specific thing i think when he was moving forward to the net to volley like after he hits his approach shot and mark said that steph just never listened <laughs> so it's like um i can see why that may be just didn't work out for them because you know if you don't listen to what yeah. your coach says and your coach kind of gets annoyed by that and you lose anyway like that's not going to be a very healthy symbiotic relationship i don't know very much but i did think that was kind of telling for why maybe mark is not working specifically with steph like very closely like last year well here's the thing like 
what Steph said was the reason why he was sticking with his dad was like because there were too many voices and he wanted there to just be like one voice to listen to. Um, but then in press, when he was talking about switching up his service stance, he was saying that he asked everyone in his team about it. And I'm like, okay, so lies, deception, you know, like it's yeah. classic such classic stuff like which one is it what what is the truth you know here's the thing i think it's both of them because i think steph like asks everyone and then he can't figure out which voice to listen to it's like steph you Mm -hmm. have to like actually like make a decision on what you're gonna do you can't just rely on other people to tell you what to do yeah i just i don't know i think it's look it's always gonna be like so fascinating to me how steph is like so good at this sport and like one of well you know recently fine but like yeah like he's he's still very much at the upper echelon still obviously takes this so seriously but like you know his his coach is his dad his like i think he does have an actual physio but then his like fitness trainer will be like this dude that he played juniors (laughs) with like you know what i mean like it's just it's so funny to me it's like such a traveling sits upon circus whereas like you know taylor fritz on on taylor fritz's side he's gonna have his like professional people he's gonna be calling up paul anacone like yeah etc you know it's it's interesting yeah it's different styles and it does depend on personality and you know you can't you know lie and say that you know apostolos hasn't gotten him far because clearly he has and like stuff's very talented but so true but it is sort of like is that because of Stephanos or is that because of Apostolos because it's sort of like imagine what Steph could have done if Steph had a Juan Carlos Ferro if Steph had a Darren Cahill if the first uh if the first requirement in the job listing of coaching Stephanos Tsitsipas or working with Stephanos Tsitsipas was not being Greek I wonder (laughs) you know literally yeah that's the question (laughs) oh thank god and that's no like oh that's exciting I have date this podcast. Coco's playing. Thank God. (laughs) She didn't do a. It wasn't a full Matteo Bertini friends surrendalo five love to seven five situation. I wish it would have been on your birthday. (laughs) No, Um, that's true. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Speaking of Taylor Fritz, this was his first top ten win in a slam. Yeah, love to see it. Um, Which I was listening to. A commentary in the car while driving at like (laughs) one thirty in the morning, and. I was like so touched by that. I was like, oh my god, I can't. I kind of can't believe that he hadn't done that before because it just yeah. didn't occur to me. Because I'm like, he's made quarterfinals before and whatever. I guess it it made sense if he had beaten Rafa that one time at Wimby, like right, that would have counted, and that he was very close to doing that. But this was his first top ten win at a slam, um, and it's very exciting that he outplayed his seeding. So he was seated twelfth, I think. So he. You know, played into the final eight. Love to see it. And I guess everyone loves to see it unless you're Stephanos. <laughs> Sorry, Steph. Um, the other thing to talk about specifically is that um, Morgan Riddle did something frankly iconic. And when she did this, which was, say, if, if Taylor wins his next match, she's going to eat an entire container of Vegemite. Um which I sent to people and was like, okay, so she's rooting for Stephanos. Like, Ye of little faith. I see how it is. Um, and then she actually stuck to her word, kind of. She had like a full spoonful, but she didn't, you know, didn't eat a whole container. And anyway, yeah. it went pretty viral, which love that for her. Again, I wonder if this was... she. Morgan is just so good at like figuring out the thing that's going to go viral and hit and I'm sure her PR team were very happy with her for this because it's just like you know cute non-problematic funny whatever yeah and um have you ever had Vegemite no I have never had the displeasure okay (laughs) I have also never had Vegemite and the description of it that I thought was most interesting was like, this would be as though you ate an entire, it's like very concentrated. So it'd be as though you ate like an entire container of um, bouillon. And I was like, oh, that's horrifying. Um, So it's like, imagine eating a bouillon cube. And I was like, no, thank you. Mm -mm. Um, 
I had rice the other day and the bouillon was not uh, fully like dissolved and I got a bite that was like oh. a lot of anyway it was it was oh. I mean I just, mm, my whole body just did a it screenshot was at that oh I mm, that sounds awful though it was mm. just like so salty anyway um, my sensory <laughs> problems could never <laughs> yeah it was fine I you know kind of ruined the rest of the rice for me but it was whatever and it ruined um, the meal but it was fine <laughs> just the rice not the whole meal okay. and i just love that morgan was a game to do this and then actually you know held firm on her word but i did think that it was telling that like she really did not think taylor was gonna win that no which honestly that is one way to motivate your man <laughs> it's so true well I don't, I don't know because taylor actually didn't seem that enthused about it like and i he was feel confident like if he you're stuff yeah and i feel like if you're taylor you're sort of like really you're gonna make a bet on like if i if i win you have to do this thing like you don't believe in me that i'm gonna win um which I don't correct know. me if i'm wrong but i think the last time taylor phrase pl- the last time taylor played steph was at monte carlo and taylor won. it was USA it was, clay. you know clay courts in the u.s <laughs> or like a unicorn on a skateboard or whatever it is <laughs> So, so I'm unsure of why Morgan thought Steph would be maybe just because Taylor's historically really bad at slams. <laughs> That's rude. I also think Taylor winning. Correct me. Okay, hear me out. Okay. Hear me out. Okay. Let to absorb. <laughs> We're gonna go this is. <laughs> a little bit to Lulu. Love it. I think Taylor winning and making it to this quarterfinal is a little bit Netflix curse because the thing with the the you didn't want you're looking at me like very confused but the thing about like the narrative on breakpoint season two was ben shelton and francis tiafo and tommy paul trying to catch up to taylor and like taylor not doing as well at slams and like ben shelton francis tiafo tommy paul even playing better than him specifically at the hardcourt slams in australia and in new york Mm -hmm. and like Taylor Fritz being the last one standing, taking out a top 10 player, like, mm. that to me is Netflix curse, because the Netflix yes. uh, narrative turned on its head once again. Mm. You know what? I approve this message. Yeah. So, I agree with that. Anyway. Wow. Nice. That's what I have to say about that. I have one more thing to say about Breakpoint that I forgot to say, but I'm going to hold it for later. Okay. It doesn't need to go right now. Okay. I think I know what um, it is. And if it isn't, that's going to be kind of funny. Anyway. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, the other match that I wrote down that I wanted us to talk about specifically was um, Andre Rublev and Alex Dimonor. I kind of already mentioned it because it was my compliment. But, like, I literally, I was listening to this on the radio in my car, again, at <laughs> 2 a.m. Um, and I had to turn it off because the mm-hmm. crowd was so pro Dimonor. And, like, it was just kind of painful to listen to. Yeah. I can imagine. I'm so glad I didn't watch this match, but I did see Mm -hmm. the tweets about it when I woke up in the morning. And the fact that I think Andre was cramping really bad in the fifth set and he won 6-0. Yeah, they gave him salt packets and then he kind of came back and did the thing. I don't know if anyone else needs more proof that Andre is the pinnacle of fuck yeah concrete, but there you go. There you have it. Could not be more fuck yeah concrete if you tried. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, I feel like this is a good win for Andre because Demonar has been on a tear. He beat Novak Djokovic, Zverat, and Taylor Fritz when Taylor Fritz. Or I think, yeah. Yeah. All in yeah. a row. But so, like his run here has not been that crazy. Like, you know, no. his run here was Milos Raonic and Matteo Arnaldi, who people during that match, people were saying like they were tweeting and just saying Matteo. And I was like, Stop it. Why do you hate no. me? But I saw people calling him Mate Ito, and I thought that that was very oh, cute. Oh, that's cute. Um, anyway. Like Kaboli, <laughs> uh, and then obviously he ran into Andre Rublev. So yeah. that's interesting. Um, meanwhile, Andre Rublev had just, he's had, he's had a, time. a time. It has been too, it's been a hell of a fortnight for Andre Rublev. Oh, it yes. hasn't been a hell of a fortnight for Yannick Sinner, though, because no. he's like the only one, I think. Maybe who hasn't, hasn't dropped, dropped a, set. a set? Twelve straight and sets. I think if he's going to drop a set to anybody, it'll be Andre. And if anybody is going to be able to physically, fuck yeah, concrete his way through, it will be Andre Rublev. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll Makes see. I won't be. Seeing, we'll see. But I I'll be will seeing be seeing later. when I wake up in the morning. Yeah, Katie. 
call your shot. When you wake up tomorrow morning, do you think that Andre Rublev will have won his 10th slam quarterfinal and made it to his first slam semifinal? <laughs> this is so... She's... She's just thinking so hard. Look, and like, I saw I, this question earlier. So like, I've been thinking about this for, yeah. I don't know, almost an hour now um, because I, mm-hmm. I started working on this at like 9.45. What is, what is making you think that he might lose? What is making you think that he might win? I'm trying to fill the yeah. dead air. Yeah, I'm, yeah. But that's what I'm like kind of waffling on because on the one hand, Yannick is playing really well. Yannick is playing mm-hmm. some pretty destructive tennis. And I would also say that I think Andre is a... This might be controversial. Actually, it's oh. not. And I don't care if it is. Andre is a much better player, but has a similar style to Karen Hachanoff. Okay. That's fair. So Yannick struggled a little bit with Karen. I did watch that match. But overall, still did not lose a set. And overall, still ended up winning. I think what Andre is going to have to do is be really, really consistent with his, you know, shots and not make a lot of unforced errors because if he makes a lot of unforced errors Yannick tends to capitalize on those really easily and will end up just running away with certain games and that's not what we want if we're rooting for Andre I still haven't picked who I'm rooting for either I don't oh, know oh wow I have here's no the thing it would take so much for me to not be rooting for Andre Rublev in a slam quarterfinal <sighs> me you know too. like it's it it Yannick has been there I don't care I don't know. It, me too, but I but Yannick might be the one like might be the one thing because I want a Jan Lito's final. I want Yannick to make it. You want a Yannick. Farther. You want Yannick to take out Djokovic, and you know Andre Rublev isn't going to do it. Exactly. I'm exactly. sorry. I love him. He's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. Like it's and he like <sighs> Andre has gotten. Very I don't close. think Yannick's going to do it either. I think he could. I don't know. I don't. It, I don't it, think so. I think if anyone's going to, I, it, it's going to hey, be Yannick. Here's the thing. It's not going to matter because Taylor Fritz is going to do it. <laughs> And both Andre and Yannick can beat Taylor Fritz, so, like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so true. Um, I'm going to call my shot. I'm going to say that it's going to be Yannick in four. So I think okay. no. I think no. I don't think... I'm taking Andre in five. Okay. Here's the thing. I'm going to be happy by both response, by both, it, anything that happens, because I love both of yeah. them. I'm going to be so disappointed and heartbroken for the other one, but also just love the other one. Like, it's a win I won't be heartbroken I- for Yannick. You've been there already. Well, like, it's fine. But I love You're you. You're a child. I know. I love Yannick, too. I think Yannick seems great. He seems like he's having a lovely time. But great. he does not need this the way that Andre needs this. I know. I know. If Andre makes it through 10 slam quarterfinals... First of all, what an accomplishment. Just, yeah. It must be said. 10 How many slam quarterfinals. Nothing to, sc- nothing to scoff at. Incredible. Yeah. What an icon. How many of your faves uh, have made it to 10 straight Consistent as hell. Your fave could never. Could never. Not straight. Not straight. Not straight. I meant... Quarterfinals. <laughs> Because, yeah, he didn't make it in Roland Garros. We moved. Um, anyway, we moved. he made it to, uh, he's made it to 10, and, no, no yeah. you know, it's very difficult to do that. And that's iconic. I love that for him. Um, yeah. Fuck yeah, concrete. Anyway, it's it's tough, but. Um, it is. Speaking of things that are tough that I just want to mention, okay, because I did the research on this. Mm-hmm. I did the math. I put this together. So, lots of people. I've been seeing so much discourse about how floppy the women's draw, the women's Mm -hmm. side of this tournament has been. And what I need people to remember is that that is what happens when you are playing best of three and not best of five. Because when you're playing best of five, you have regression towards the mean and like the players who need a little bit more time to settle in, the better players are going to prevail more often Mm -hmm. in best of five and you have more randomness in best of three. Yep. So to illustrate this point, I wanted to go through and figure out which of our men's quarterfinalists would not still be in the draw, would have lost if the men played best of three. Mm-hmm. Um, and here you go. Okay. Uh, spoiler alert. It's half of them. Mm-hmm. Half of them. <laughs> okay. Yep. Half of them would not be here. So Andre Rublev would not be here. He mm-hmm. lost sets two and three to Alex Dimonar in round four. Okay. Um, then we have Taylor Fritz, who lost sets one and three to Diaz Acosta in round one. Taylor yep. Fritz would have gone out round one if men played best of three. Mm-hmm. We have Daniil Medvedev, who lost sets one and two to Emil Rizavori in round two. Daniil would not ma- have made it out of round two if it was not for the men playing best of five. And Alexander Zverev also would have been out in round two to a qualifier, Lucas Klein, because he lost sets two and three in their match. Mm-hmm. And I just like... You know, 
don't talk shit about the WTA. I know we barely talk about the WTA, but one thing we're not going to do is talk shit. Nope. We're never going to talk. Nope. Unless, they, unless the WTA organization deserves it because they're not promoting their women. That's the only time I'll talk yeah. shit. Well, look. Um. Anyway, I'm, I'm impressed with the men overall. It's been a pretty consistent slam. Six out of the eight top seeds held their seating. Um, and that specifically, I think, is one through six. Yeah. Um, and then seven and eight did not, which is Holger and Stefanos. Yeah. Hubie is the ninth seed. So he, you know, just did one one spot better. Um, and then <clears throat> the other one is Taylor Fritz, which Slay, we love. We love, yes. Um, who was Go the 12th Taylor. seed. He's, yep. <sighs> what a time. And then Katie... Can you talk to me about the doubles tournaments? I have not watched a single moment of doubles, please. I would love to. I would just first like to state that the doubles has been interesting um, because last year there were a lot of breakups, a lot of switcherooing around. So like I'll be seeing some like, you know, names pop up on my phone of like, oh, this person and this person won this set. And I'm like, I or like it'll be the first person. The one I'm thinking of specifically is... I forget what his first name is, but Santiago and Neil Skupski. And I'll see Santiago. I'm like, I did not think I had him like as one of my faves where like he pops up and I see mm-hmm. him like, playing with Neil Skupski. And I'm like, oh, that's why. So mm-hmm. overall, I haven't been watching a lot because some of my faves are playing with people who are not my faves. And I don't love that. Oh, interesting. So anyway. We'll talk. We'll talk later. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um, we already mentioned R.I.P. to Ramsbury losing to Macac and Macach. Macach. Mahach. Mahach. That's what it is. <laughs> and <laughs> Jiren Tomas Mahach. Tomas and Jiren. Um, that match was actually pretty good. The first set was so fun because Ramsbury was slaying. And then Tomas and Jiren started playing some absolutely incredible doubles. They were learning from the best. They were learning on the fly there. And they were hitting some crazy great shots. And then Joe Salisbury reverted back to Joe Salisbury that I saw in Wimbledon last year where he double vaulted three times in his first service game in the third set and it was just a train wreck from there and I was like it's 2 30 in the morning I am putting my computer away not watching this (laughs) bye um so that was great um but on a more fun positive note um let me just pull up the thing so I say correctly here Rohan Bopana. I am so excited about this, by the way. I like I like him. Yes! I also like Rohan Bopana. He is currently playing with Matt Ebden. And Rohan Bopana is one win away from finally becoming world number one in doubles and being the oldest first-time world number one in doubles at 43 years old. That is so cute. I'm going to cry. Wait, here's the thing. When I'm slandering the olds, I am not talking about Rohan Bopana. <laughs> not talking about him. And also, if he wins the tournament, he'll be the oldest person to ever, ever win a Grand Slam. Singles, doubles, men, women, oldest person. I am rooting. Not legends, but legends doesn't count. They don't count. That doesn't count. (laughs) I am rooting for Rohan Bapana and Maddie Ebden to go the whole way. Please win the Australian Open. Please. I love it. I love it so much. That would be so. I I do really like him. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about the video of him doing karaoke doing a talent show with the yeah. Rec- i'm thinking about that <laughs> i love that and yeah. <laughs> i have such fond feelings about like it's just what a time anyway he what seems like seems like a great dude and he's a good um, guy if, you don't... if he's not sorry <laughs> he's a great sportsman i can at least say that because he was mm-hmm. the person in the u.s open where a ball clipped him when it went past and it was i think like love 30 um they're playing ramsbury and he was like no the ball hit me that's on our point even mm-hmm. though it looks like we won it so great sportsman at tennis at least and he was like it wouldn't have mattered if it was match point i still would have said because that's what the rules are so love that also a coffee yeah. lover which i can always get behind so does he does he ask for uh, coca-cola in the middle of a u.s open final (laughs) he doesn't (laughs) which is why he is not gonna be my fave like top fave but like he is right up there (laughs) ask for coca-cola and i will love you forever thank you rajiv ram (laughs) the other thing i wanted to talk about because this happened i think in between when we recorded the last episode and when we posted it um so i think a lot of people were like expecting this to be included but Mm, sorry Mm -hmm. this had not happened yet by the time (laughs) we came to you so anyway um i wanted to talk about taylor fritz answering the alexander zverev question in his press conference um after one of his matches i'm not gonna lie i don't remember which one probably round two 
if I had to guess yeah, after his round I two think match. So I think that's around the time, yeah. Yeah. Um and what we were talking about was we were like, Taylor Fritz is like always on Twitter. He sees mm-hmm. everything. Like if he says that he does not know what this is in relation to or like has no comment, then we know it's, he's lying. He's lying. <laughs> that being said, all of the other players who were asked about this were asked in context of the Players Council. Mm-hmm. I still have many questions about the Players Council. So and, many. you know, I, I would like to find out more. However, um, Taylor's question was specifically in relation to Breakpoint, which I think is completely fair because mm-hmm. he was also in Breakpoint. Um, he was a big part of the first season. Less of a big part of the second season, but still, I think, very present in the second season. Um And do you want to read out the question and I'll read out the answer? Or do you want to read out the answer and I'll read out the question? I feel like I should read out the question because I feel like you have a Taylor Fritz tone more than I do. (laughs) By that you mean I'm from California. (laughs) Yes. And have a little bit of a vocal fry. (laughs) By that you mean my brother went to a prom at Taylor Fritz's high school. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yep. Okay. So the interviewer asked, um, I wanted to ask a Netflix question. You were one of the biggest stars across both seasons. This season, when it came out, there was a lot of backlash from tennis fans and viewers about the inclusion of Zverev as one of the main figures in the second season. And having the episode have no mention at all of the accusations that he has gotten from multiple girlfriends now and the legal proceedings that are going on and stuff. So, HP put out a question poll for questions for season two cast, and it was 95% all about Zverev, and people thought it really overshadowed the season. I'm curious, as a pseudo co-star on the show, what do you think of that inclusion and portrayal of the situation? Great. I love the, the way that this question's asked. Great. Give him, like, yes. enough background so that he'd clearly know what you were talking about. Know why you are asking this question, because yep. that's the thing. A lot of these people are like, why are you asking me that? Especially Zverev, which, Ugh. by the way, here's the thing. I just want to say, because I tweeted this, but it was, like, in the replies to somebody. Even if Zverev is innocent, he is just such an asshole he that is. I don't understand how anyone likes him or would want to work with him. Like, if you hear him answer one of these questions, you hear him say something in passing to somebody about somebody else. He is just such a fucking jerk. He like, is. everything out of his mouth is just mean. Like, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me. And for no Anyways. reason. Like, it's just it just shows that he's for really what? not a nice person. So, yeah. Truly. Um, And hopefully... Because when someone's not a nice person like that, it also means that they're unhappy. So Mm. love that, you know? Yep. Um, Anyway, (laughs) Taylor Fritz said, I didn't watch the episode. I think as far as the whole injury at the French Open, him coming back, I do think there's a story there, regardless of what's going on off the court. Him coming back, he had a great year last year. If you're going to make an episode about him, then I definitely understand why people want that to be, at the very least, I guess, included in the episode or touched on. At the end, they're building up the players and making the players into, what's the best word? I guess you you want to watch the show and relate and like all the players, pretty much. I think they're going to leave negative things out about everybody. Obviously, I understand the public reaction to that. I think you could probably touch on the story aspect of his injury, return, and all of that, and also touch on everything else that's going on with that. So it's, like, a little bit vague. Mm -hmm. It is interesting that he's doing this, like, in context of criticizing Netflix and criticizing Box2Box and criticizing Breakpoint, not Mm -hmm. necessarily criticizing the ATP. So Mm -hmm. interesting dichotomy there in like what he feels like he can say Mm -hmm. but it's clear reading this and hearing him say this that like he does think it's weird that they didn't mention it at all and i do appreciate him saying that and not just saying like did they i haven't seen the episode etc like yeah you know it's not the best response but it is better by leaps and bounds by everyone else's which is it's the best one that we got it is. <laughs> it's not the best possible response, but it is certainly the best one that we got. It is. And this is why it pisses me off when everyone just, like, is so reductive about the American players and calls them, like, mm-hmm. frat bros and all of this stuff. Here's the thing. Taylor Fritz, he's going to be, I guess, Cam Norrie also, but, like, he's one of the only people getting these questions in his native language. So yep. I'll give, you know, like, I'll give Casper and Steph and Grigor just a scooch of leash there because Mm -hmm. like they you know 
are translating their thoughts and don't want to mistranslate something. So Taylor has a little bit of an easier time answering from that standpoint. But I will just say, like, I don't know where I was. I'm forgetting where I was going. (laughs) I do think Um, I do think that Taylor touched on something slightly in like a kind of abstract way that I am also thinking of now. And I don't know if we've actually like explicitly talked about this, but he says that, um, you know, the point of the episodes basically is to watch the show and relate in like all the players. And I do think one of the problems, I mean, there of, of which there are many with including this very episode and not talking at all about the domestic violence accusations and the legal proceedings around them is you are bamboozling everyone who watches it and doesn't know this stuff. Cause like this stuff has been, yeah. they've been trying to bury it for years, years. Mm-hmm. And by continuing to do this, you are just misrepresenting things that are actually happening in real life and people will become fans of this person. And then much like me, who was a fan of this person until I found out about the Olya Sharapova stuff. And then I was like, Guys, yeah, Katie absolutely is, not. Katie literally is the only person on the planet who has ever had a positive fan experience with Alexander Zverev. Apparently. And he has squandered that by being a shitty human being after the fact. Like, it's so funny to me. There were all mm-hmm. these people sharing stories on Twitter of like, they're absolutely horrific, <laughs> like fan experiences of Zverev being so rude to them. So and rude. I was just laughing so hard because i'm like wow katie is the one person ever that he's been nice to and you know what (laughs) it doesn't even matter anymore because i if there are if there are no alexander haters i am dead because i am a hater to my core i love being a hater i will hate you forever so i'm not gonna say that i hate him and i don't hate him because um slander laws you have to like prove malice so i'm not gonna say that i hate him (laughs) But I do think there's probably enough proof out there. <laughs> I mean, I'm never going to root for him. And you know what? In tennis... I'm kidding. We're joking. That's, that's truly, like... That's the... You know, I'm mm-hmm. never going to be a fan of someone. And that's the whole point of consuming media. This this specific media is to be a fan of someone. And I will truly... I mean, I'm never going to try to set eyeballs on this man. Mm-hmm. Keep Here's the thing. Away. My hatred for Alexander Zverev is alleged in the same way... <laughs> dot, dot, dot. You know? <laughs> Anyway, um, oh no, so the thing good. that I was saying before that I forgot that I was saying was like people are always talking about how the Americans are so mm. like fratty, and to me, it just clearly they're not. Like clearly yeah. they're some of the only ones that are like thinking about things like this. At, at yeah. least Taylor, um, yeah, are thinking about things like this in a responsible way. And like I don't want to give Morgan all of the responsibility for this. And like, you know, obviously we love Morgan. We're so biased uh, for, we love for Taylor and Morgan. We love them. But there's got to be something there. You know, there's got to be. Here's what I'll say. And we've said this before. I trust Morgan. So therefore, until things prove otherwise, I will trust Taylor Fritz. Yeah. So I trust her I've taste. seen that man cuddle a cat and it was oh. cute. And I don't even like cats. <sighs> That is that video makes you know, me like, absolutely feral. Like, oh my god, yeah. like him with this with the toothbrush, Ooh. with the toothbrush on the cocoa cats. broke. Oh, thank fucking god. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, okay, good. I think my stream's like slightly that. behind. Okay, oh, thank you. I know because I just got that from my live scores app that comes in on my oh, watch. Nice. Um, anyway. Then one other thing that I wanted to say, just so we can finish off the Zverev of it all, ESPN finally, during round four, showed a graphic about the upcoming domestic violence trial. I don't know if this is the first time that they've, like, televised one of his matches on main ESPN, ESPN2, and not just on WorldFeed. I actually don't think it is, because I think Mm -hmm. that's what Dasha Kasakana was complaining about, was that there was a Zverev match on and not a Rabakana match on. R.I.P., by the way. (laughs) (laughs) So they showed this uh, this graphic about, like, the timeline of his uh, penalty order and his contesting of the um, allegations and when the French Open would start and when the trial would be scheduled for. So they did show and talk about this element of, like, what's going on for Zverev right now, mm-hmm. which I 
appreciate that they at least talked about it because I have like people like my grandmother who's mm-hmm. just watching this on ESPN and I remember like when he had his injury at Roland Garros she was like so sad about it and I was like Graham we got a chit chat like I got some stuff to tell you and she was like how do you know all of this stuff and I was like there's this Twitter. thing called the internet anyway no I love her she's great she's um, great she know she does know the internet and um here's the thing she's immediately off board when I explain these things to her about mm-hmm. Zverev. Like, she's immediately like, oh my god, what a terrible so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I'm so grateful to have, like, liberal family members. Such a blessing. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um... Then also there was an article, a follow-up that came out from the icons who asked the players about their thoughts on Zverev and stuff. They're, they put out a follow-up article that was like so damning yeah. of the ATP Oof. and of Zverev and of all of the men who like asked them things. And it was really nice because it was like good to, obviously they put out the first article pretty quickly that just mm-hmm. summarized the responses that they got and all of that stuff. And this was more analysis of what everyone was saying and stuff. And um, one of the things that was fascinating to me that they called out was that Rolex, they because they reached out to all of his sponsors, which, as again, as someone who sponsors, like, athletes and stuff, if a news organization reached out about, like, these kinds of allegations about an athlete that you're sponsoring, like, I, you might not take your money and run, but I would say, like we are not extending, we are not associated with you anymore. Because I sometimes you can't take your money, whatever. Yeah. Rolex was the only one to say that they cut ties with Zverev, which is very time's up vibes. <laughs> Get it? Ha ha, ha ha. Um, And now we just need every other sponsor to follow suit. So yeah. it's pretty, let them know. I mean, I'm not surprised it's Rolex. Well, Adidas is tough because it's like German, you know, for instance. Yeah. I, like I under, I kind of vaguely understand the Adidas connection. And, like, you know, technically, he's still the number one German. Whatever. Fine. Whatever. But. Is he really German? (laughs) Um, Anyway. I don't think we could keep that in. (laughs) We can. Who cares? 50 minutes in. Who cares? Fair. Okay. He's mostly. Look. You know, if if Andrei Rublev played for Germany, maybe there would be a Netflix episode about Andrei Rublev. But there's not. That's true. But there probably wouldn't be because, well, I don't I know. I don't think I want to see a Netflix Breakpoint episode about Andre Rublev. I'm going to be so real. No, the way they fuck true. up everyone. And it just, I don't want the Netflix curse and I don't want them to be misrepresenting Andre. <laughs> but that's honestly, that's Andre true. would be the perfect pick because of all of his play for the kids, play for the light stuff. Like that is good PR that you could use. Yeah. And yet you picked this asshole. And also he has such a storyline of like he's, he has made it so many times. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear more about Andre's like coaching situation. Like yeah. I, I want to know more about Marcus. I find Marcus <laughs> so funny. <laughs> he's so hilarious. Cute. Anyway, I love like Marcus and Charlie and everybody and, and Fur. I will include Fur in that. People always slander Fur. I'll include Fur in that. Yeah. Anyway, um, they're just, they're so sweet and they're, they're so sweet. Anyway, um, <laughs> anything else about Sarah? No, let's let's move away from okay. him. <laughs> Get him out One of here. One last thing on Breakpoint that I wanted to talk about was um, it's not the terrible editing on the Australian Open final. Okay. It's not that. Um, okay. The thing that I wanted to say specifically about Arena's episode was that this episode I did really like. I feel like I didn't talk enough about Arena's episode. Mm-hmm. And like... I do have to give Breakpoint some flowers. Like, this episode made me cry. I forgot that this episode made me cry, oh. but this episode made me cry. Wow. Specifically because Arena talks a lot about, like, losing her dad and then mm, having oh. this, like, big celebratory moment where, you know, you're celebrating with your family and everyone that you love around you. And, like, there's always just going to be that, like, person missing. And I found that deeply relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, anyone who has lost someone very close to you specifically like in your immediate family you're gonna fully understand what that's like to have something that's so like objectively happy happening to you but then still be like this little missing piece of the puzzle that like is somebody you wish was there anyway that's Mm -hmm. what i wanted to specifically mention was um i think that they did that storyline very well and it made me quite emo and and did in fact make me cry so Mm. That's all I got. That's lovely. 
I'm glad it was that because that's much nicer than Bryce <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm not going to talk about it. I will say, though, the Zverev made me laugh in his episode. I shouldn't say that, but it did. <laughs> One single moment. And I laughed. And then I was like, how dare you? <laughs> how fucking dare it's you? It's when, when he sits down in the chair and he goes, hi, I'm Alexander Zverev. I'm a reserve driver for Mercedes. And I was like, I laughed. And then I was like, fuck off. You're fuck not Daniel Ricciardo. You're not Lewis Hamilton. How dare you're you? You're not out here. You're not going to sit down and be like... I'm Dana Ricardo and I'm a car mechanic. Like, fuck off. Like, get out of here. Like, anyway. <sighs> That's all. It made me laugh and then I was like, shut up. You could never I be bet Lewis, Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton would hate you. That's Honest, what I want to say. I bet Lewis Hamilton would hate your guts if he knew yeah. what you did. If it's... he knew what you allegedly did. Yeah. Uh, no, so, tr- like, anyway. literally. I feel like I... Never mind. We can talk about that later. That's not... I feel like I've seen something about Lewis Hamilton and Zara. But anyway, I don't know anything about... You've seen Toto. Oh, okay. That's who it is. I was like, I feel like I... was like... (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) We move. Um, Anything else to talk about? Um, No, I don't think so. Uh, By the next episode, I think we'll have a... In and out in under an hour. We did. We did. Yes. I uh, can't wait to talk to you uh, in a week and be talking about Novak's 25th. You know, I can't wait for us to start in a week and immediately talk about everything except that. <laughs> and be like, surprise, nobody won the Australian Open. <laughs> no, we're going to come on here and be like, you know, Yannick Center won the Australian Open. Carlos Alcaraz won the yeah. Australian Open. Taylor Fritz won the Australian Taylor Open. Taylor Fritz won the Australian Open. Give you me Taylor her Fritz. Oh, you yeah. know who we didn't talk about at all? You be her catch. Here's what I'll say about Hubie. I love him. <laughs> I love him. Slay. So true. He's great. Uh, I love him and Iga. I just love their friendship. I think they're, they're so cute. They're so cute. They're so... Uh, they're lovely. Here's the thing. Other thing we didn't talk about was Carlos Alcaraz not naming a single WTA player that he likes watching. You know who's not going to do that? He'd be her catch. It's so true. So true. I love all so. those for a dollar name a woman. <laughs> Literally. That was my first thought. Well, that that was yeah. my first thought when that person asked him who his celebrity crush was, too. And he's yeah. like, well, Stefano said one time that he likes Margot Robbie. Robbie. <laughs> I was like, okay. Great. <sighs> cool. We're not going to be anyway. out here speculating, but. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <sighs> Good luck, future us and everyone who's watching the Australian Open. Hope you enjoyed this. Good luck, future uh, us. Oh, Good luck, luck to luck us. to y'all. Good luck to all of your faves. Um, and I win. hope that Carlos Alcaraz plays the greatest tennis match he's ever played, and I hope he triple bagels and absolutely slays. I hope he does too. I just want him to play so well, so beautifully. His beautiful, electric, entertaining tennis. I want him to be a superhero on court. Yeah. I need him to defend the honor of his countryman, Cam Nori. (laughs) Bye. Bye.